Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Grace, and this is A Very Bookish Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to A Very Bookish Podcast. Today is episode 82, and I have a very special guest all the way from Scotland. I have Samantha Young. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so, I love your accent. Like, <laughs> we've been yeah. talking a little bit before this episode, and I'm just like, damn. I was born in the wrong country. I just want to, I want a good accent. I want a good accent. And it's just like, oh, it's there's so been beautiful. A lot of debate on TikTok about the Scottish accent, actually, because there's a big Scottish TikTok element. Mm-hmm. And some people love the accent and some people loathe it. So <laughs> I love Outlander. So <laughs> like Jamie, 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 I'm just like, mm, I want my last name to be Fraser too. <laughs> so a lot of people feel the same way (laughs) yeah so like that's why I my mom and I want to go to like Scotland and visit all like the places that they they have in the um show so we'll get to it sometime but welcome um kind of to start us off would you like to tell our listeners who may have not have heard of you kind of your who you are and what kind of books you write Sure. Well, I'm Samantha Young, and I've been writing for just over, well, actually nearly 12 years. I've been publishing, and I write adult contemporary romance and paranormal romance under my pen name is Young. Um, And I started actually in young adult paranormal, um, and I've also written young adult contemporary. So Mm -hmm. I've done a few different reading levels and genres. Do you mainly publish traditionally or do you do both indie and traditionally published? I do both. I usually publish one book a year with my publisher, Berkeley, mm-hmm. and I publish three or four books a year as an independent author as well. So it's like three to five books, a year, like four to five books a year. Holy cow. <laughs> It's less than I used to do that so um, yes my first couple of years my first year I think I published seven books yeah I had no social life <laughs> I don't have a social life right now and I'm not publishing any books like <laughs> how holy cow yeah. so were you writing like a book a month or something like that or yeah I was lucky I already had about um, almost two books completed when I first started self-publishing and so I published the first book and finished the second got it up and then just went straight into the third and then I wrote a standalone after that and then another series uh, trilogy so it was a full-on year it really was but it was just I really wanted to be a full-time writer and I wanted as many eyes on my books as possible and I felt at that time that quantity would help me kind of build an audience faster so that's that's why (laughs) yeah yeah I I, sorry for my ignorance I don't if you don't mind me asking so you mentioned that you have a pen name S Young and that's where you write paranormal romance is kind of a general like industry thing like why do authors who have like sometimes authors have a pen name and that's like they have their personal life name and then they have their pen name and then they have a pen name of their pen name so like what is the purpose for that it's just because it's generally thought and 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 this is this is true although there are some exceptions that when you 
you build a brand around a pen name. So I built a contemporary romance audience around Samantha Young. And it's often just easier to start a new audience because only some of that audience is going to come with you to a different genre. Mm-hmm. It just might not be their thing. So it's generally thought it's a much better idea to start with a new pen name and build a separate audience. Mm-hmm. And it's really what publishers do and what most in- indies do. One exception, and they just spoke about it in the New York Times, is Colleen Hoover, because it's mind-boggling that she writes in so many different genres under the same pen name, but has had such a success with all of those books. Um, Mm -hmm. She's just this amazing, like, exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's really why most people choose to write under a pen name. Yeah, because I I always, I always, like, as like a book consumer, I'm always like reading books and then I'm like, wait, this author has a has another book series in a totally different subgenre and I had no idea about it. And it's <laughs> like kind of how it's kind of how you do it, where it's like just S young, where mm-hmm. it's like the first initial and then the last name. And I'm like, <laughs> in the form of this sooner? Like, how why are y'all hiding things from me? <laughs> actually I'm really hoping that like with Colleen Hoover and there's a couple of other authors doing it that maybe readers are just ready to just jump into all different genres if they love the writer enough so yeah that, that's that would be really exciting I mean yeah that's at least for personal preferences I I read from like very soft contemporary to like the darkest of dark romance like I am so monster I've read everything I've read everything there is and so like I love it when authors have like such a versatile collection of books, but then I I understand that some people just want to stay with one type of romance and that's just how it is. And you gotta, gotta, you gotta, can't hate the player. You gotta hate the game is what it it is. And I mean, as consumers, I guess we could change that and be the ones who say, oh, we want, we want you to keep your, your name, just stick to one so that I know where to find you. But that, that raises, raises a question to me is do you have separate um like social media and stuff for your separate pen names because I noticed some authors do do that where they have like and then they have like pen name in their like bio and then they have a link to their other social media so do you do that or do you just keep it all on one I just keep it all on one um I tried it at the beginning of my career because when I started I just wrote under Samantha Young for my paranormal and then I wrote on Dublin Street which was my first adult contemporary romance and it was the book that that was really successful and so at that time I tried having different social media platforms for the two different and it was just a lot of work I don't have a social media manager I do it all myself and so when I changed the paranormal over to S Young I was like no I just have it on my website writing under S Young and you can click on there and and see all the information and I just post about it on my normal social media so in a way that means it's really good because it means that if I do have readers among my contemporary romance readers who love paranormal then they're not going to miss it they're going to see that it's it's there for them to check out so I prefer it that way. So, so you mentioned that like when your first, I think you said adult contemporary blew up, what was kind of, can you kind of like work through like how that came to be and then like what happened after it blew up and kind of your feelings throughout that whole process? Yes. I mean, it was, I'll tell you right now, it was incredibly overwhelming. (laughs) Um, I, 
as I said, have been writing YA Paranormal. And it was a reader who said to me, I love your romantic subplots. Would you consider writing contemporary? And I said, you know, I'm a paranormal reader. I haven't read any. So she sent me a bunch. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with contemporary romance. And I love the idea that I really would be challenged because it was all about characterization with contemporary romance. I had to make the readers fall in love with these two people and with their romance because there wasn't this great world building to kind of um, rely on. So I wrote, I decided if I was going to do that, it would have to be something that felt authentic. So a lot of what the character was going through, Joss, the heroine, I had been through and experienced so I did put a lot of my own, own experiences into the book and I wrote it in about six weeks which is one of the fastest that I've ever written a book it just flew out of me and I published it August 31st 2012 and I just, I just did the usual marketing on Goodreads and my social media and I put an excerpt up on my website and stuff like that. And it was just word of mouth. Within two weeks, it was in the top 100 on Amazon. And this was before Kindle Unlimited. So it was a whole different landscape on Amazon. Um, it was all about sales um, for that. But it, I think from there, it took about two weeks to hit number one in the US. Um, and by that point, I'd managed to get an agent through the amount of sales it was it was receiving, and um, then it went to auction with the five big publishers, and Penguin won it. Um, so financially, it was life changing for me and my family because I was able to do a lot for my family. But it was also just incredibly overwhelming because it's just a ton of new readers, at, like within a really short <laughs> space of time, and just felt like this amazing pressure to write the next book and make sure that it, it lived up to Undublin Street. And I really did have the most amazing time with the Undublin Street series. Um, and it published in 31 countries around the world. So I got to travel to different countries to meet my readers. And it was just, an, just a phenomenal moment in my career, it really was. Um, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> How was how is that process of getting an agent? Like, were you like terrified to like you're like you're putting your fresh work out? And I I I've heard like some horror stories with people trying to like get agents and stuff. So how was that process for you? Well, I tried before and I tried with my actual agency, but a different agent there who he was the author, Rochelle Mead's agent. And I loved Rochelle's Vampire Academy series. So um and he never got back to me after I'd sent um, a sample and I tried a couple who just didn't respond so I had found my agent Lauren who um, was the romance agent at my agency and she I had just said to her I'm number 16 in the Amazon store at the moment this is my book I can send you sample chapters these are my figures and she got back to me within like I don't know half an hour and she was like send me the rest of the book and she read it like 24 hours I'd had a phone call with another agent when she got back to me and I had a phone call with her and I just had this amazing feeling about Lauren it just was like I feel like she's going to have my back and I've been with her ever since and she is she's just a wonderful wonderful agent and she's done a lot for me so I'm one of the lucky ones I've had a really good experience with with my awesome agent I mean that's amazing like I feel like the whole getting an agent process, people are sometimes, it's terrifying. It can be so terrifying. 
you it's very scary yeah put yourself out there and you become very vulnerable I feel like because that I'm introverted I I appear to be extroverted but I'm introverted and that would terrify me to send people my work I think that's why I could never be a writer is because I don't think I could handle people reading even if they enjoyed it I'd be like I can't like mm. it it gives me like the heebie-jeebies where I'm like I I can't it's like crawling up my skin like y'all can't look at me after I've read after I've written some of the scenes I've written I could not look people in the face for the rest of my life much less my mother or father if they ever knew like I don't think I could handle that kind of not just pressure but just like the experience of that I'm just like "Mm -mm. I already got enough mental illness I, I, I am an introvert as well and it was really scary and I really had to push myself mm-hmm. to even start publishing but mm-hmm. I just wanted it so badly like yeah. I wanted to be a writer since I was a kid so that is why I pushed myself out of that comfort zone and I will say that time numbs it a little bit it's I always get butterflies before I release like always but the the crippling fear of someone reading your book it it condenses a little bit down, but I still get that pit in my stomach when like, yeah. my editor sends me back the editorial notes. I'm like, okay, take a deep breath before you open it. <laughs> Just, it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, so you've mentioned that you've been writing for 12 years now. Um, how, how, how are you keeping stories coming to life? Like, how are you keeping your creativity going? Is it just that when you, before you started writing, you knew like, I have so many stories that I want to tell, or was it just, you have to continuously like think like, oh, what kind of story do I want to write next in that kind of process? When I first started, it was definitely, I had all these stories in my head I wanted to tell, um, 50 plus books and now, so it's a lot of books and sometimes there are dry spells in the creativity well you know you're kind of like uh and I don't force it I do not want to write for any other reason than an organic one that an idea has just come to me organically and usually it's like for a cosmic kind of love my latest book I was reading a biography by an astronaut and I've read a few and as I was reading his it occurred to me I have never read a book about an astronaut hero before and that is just where the idea came from so it's those kinds of moments in life where I tend to get my ideas and also as it's gone on and I've built an audience I also think about what would my readers like to hear from me next you know um tropes are such a big thing and a great way quick way to get readers hooked into the idea of a book so I think about okay what tropes were in my last book so I did I did second chance romance in the last book so maybe I will do age gap or um, grumpy versus sunshine you know and and try and and kind of fit the idea around the tropes as well Mm -hmm. well since you mentioned it she, for our listeners, uh, Samantha does have a new book. It's a cosmic kind of love for our visual watchers who are watching this. You can see the book, but this is her latest release with Berkeley, which pet peeve with Berkeley because y'all changed your freaking logo. I'm pissed because now all of my Berkeley books are off, except like three books that have the same logo. And then the rest are just, it's I've said my piece, but yes, Samantha has a new book and this cover, Berkeley just does it so well with their covers. Like I look at this and I'm like, 
they're sitting on planets and then I saw it and I was like oh that's cute like they're on planets and I was like why are they on planets and I'm like oh he's an astronaut I didn't know I had a new kind of fetish when I got sent that cover from Berkeley I honestly was I had a, my grin was half my face I was so happy with it um Colleen Reinhardt is the designer um for this book at Berkeley and she just she just smashed it it's one of my favorite covers ever yeah it's it's beautiful what was kind of the process of bringing a cosmic kind of love to this world the book or the cover both <laughs> well the cover really was just like throwing kind of some ideas um mm -hmm. at the designer and then honestly I could never anticipate that cover she just blew my mind yeah um that was awesome but the process was really just as I said I was reading this autobiography and there the thing about the astronaut biographies I've read anyway about the these men is that they have very similar traits in that they're obviously incredibly smart really funny astronauts are really funny I think they must have to be because of the extreme situation they're in very brave and capable and intelligent I'm like those are amazing qualities in a hero um so I kind of started thinking about um well, how to make an astronaut story a little bit like meatier and emotional and all I could think was well if you had achieved that level of success that very few people in the world ever achieve what would happen if you got back to earth and you realized that you did not know where you were going to go next in life and you were only still in your mid-30s and so it was really about giving Chris the hero in the story um a kind of almost like a mid-30s coming of age story you know um he has a lot of um, he's he's not connected to his culture either because of family issues. He has problems with his dad. He's lost his brother. Um, and so it was connecting him with a heroine who was, I love opposites attract. So I wanted her to be different from him, but also a heroine who could understand him in a way that other people couldn't. And so I decided to write a heroine, Hallie, who also had family issues. Um, but her life experiences are totally different from Chris's. Um, so it was really about taking these two characters and what was hurting them and giving them someone who was a bomb to those hearts and who made them feel seen and special. Um, and I didn't want to do it in um, a kind of ordinary way with him being an astronaut. I was like, I want this meet cute to be totally unique. And so she actually discovers Chris when she's an event planner and the bride of her current wedding sends her like inspiration material and accidentally includes videos of Chris who is her ex-boyfriend and he sent these videos to her when he was on the International Space Station. So Hallie starts watching these private videos, feels very guilty about it <laughs> and decides to email a video to his NASA email address explaining what she's done and he is a bit mad about it at first and decides to tell tech at NASA to make it bounce, make it look like these, I never got her video and that this email doesn't exist. And she, that's what happens, but she found the whole process so therapeutic that she starts making these video diaries and sending them to this NASA email address and he starts watching them all. So they actually fall for each other before they even meet in real life, so. I honestly think that trope of like, 
falling in love through like some sort of communication before even seeing each other in person. I don't know if you've ever watched Love is Blind on Netflix. Well, it's kind of that same thing where you're in like pods and you talk to the other person and you kind of date around and you've never seen their face like you never like you just it's based on personality and talking with them and stuff and so I'm a guilty pleasure I love trash tv (laughs) and that's like the ultimate trash tv and so I love that kind of trope of characters falling in love for each other without that superficial like looks and stuff and then they're like oh you're so fucking hot too like damn because like I feel like I fall in love with personality first before I fall in love with anything else so that's why I feel like those stories I feel like matter the most to me because I'm like damn he's got a good personality (laughs) but that leads me to my next question is you talked about how Chris kind of came to be what about Hallie and how did you create her character and what inspired you to write to make her pink hair which I noticed that you had pink hair too and I was like huh I wonder where that came from (laughs) well I actually got so inspired by her pink hair I went and got pink hair after I had written the book um I I just wanted to create I have a few friends who are people pleasers (laughs) and it does drive me bonkers when people take advantage of them um because they're just you know they get upset if they think they've upset someone or not done something for someone and I wanted to create a character who would have that and who could go through a journey where she learned to create boundaries for herself and be able to say no and not feel guilty about it I just really I wanted to enjoy that that journey of like almost in a way giving that to my friends you know Mm -hmm. like this is you can't say no (laughs) you know kind of thing and also I you know it is a rom-com and so that element of Hallie's personality does lend to putting her in ridiculous situations because mm-hmm. she lands herself in situations that someone else might not um so it, yeah it was about about that and about as I said before I wanted her and Chris to have a connection so I gave her a difficult family background her parents are going through a divorce um post-divorce war and I don't think I see it enough where older people's parents you know kind of drag them into their you see it a lot like kids who go through the difficulties of parents divorcing but it affects a child at any age you know when their parents divorce so I really wanted to take her through that journey as well and and both of them um through each other and what they've learned from each other be able to kind of make a create a healthier relationship or at least boundaries for themselves with their families um so yeah that's where Hallie came from and her pink hair was just the rebellion that was like her rebellion coming out you know um so yeah I feel like that also kind of makes her the complete opposite of Christopher because like I'm not trying to be stereotypical I've had pink hair so nobody can come for me but like I feel like people always imagine people with like colorful hair as like not smart people like they, they, I feel like society deems people with colored hair as less smart and intelligent and stuff. But like, I think like her personality kind of contra- contrasts what who Chris is. And so I feel like the pink hair just makes her stand out even more um, from him, which yeah. I love. Um, but kind of, so this is like 
a book. That's what am I saying? This is a book. What was kind of your hardest part of writing this book and bringing it together? Was it after you completed your first draft and you were like, fuck, I need to go edit this now? Or was it even like, was there some part of the story where you just stuck on? Like, what was some of the hardest aspects of writing this book? Actually, it was trying to figure out how to do the, um, you know, the video diary scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, I I spent a lot of time drafting different ideas where um, it was entire chapters of just video diaries and it just it really slowed down the pacing so I started it that way at first and ended up where you just get in Hallie's chapter snippets of Chrissy's diaries and then in his chapters he's actually watching her and then it kind of takes you out of that moment and you start living those moments with Hallie in real time Um, but trying to figure out how to do that to keep the pacing on point was the most challenging so wow um when when writing a book and when you kind of mentioned this before of like tropes like oh you think back of like what tropes have you done with is there certain tropes that not specifically just to this book but any of your books where you like I have to have this trope in there or do you kind of like keep it versatile where you're like I'm gonna just go with whatever I'm feeling like right now yeah I I, I try to keep it as natural as possible um because I don't want to like shoehorn it into mm-hmm. a trope because mm-hmm. that can kind of throw off the whole the whole plot but if I'm really at the beginning stages of plotting I will think about tropes you know mm-hmm. and I'll, and that can um what's the word I'm looking for that can determine where I take the story next you know mm-hmm. um so yeah and I, I love I love a lot of tropes so that makes it easy for me it really does <laughs> well this might be a hard question then what are your like top three favorite tropes grumpy River <laughs> sunshine I love grumpy yes. River sunshine um second chance I do love me some second chance and I do like age gap I do like the age I, gap one I do like age gap when it's like they're like 26 or something and the guy is like 40 something yes that's those what the, I write. <laughs> those are the age gaps where I'm like okay um, yeah like this I'm, I just like that it creates um kind of limitations for either one or the other character you know um but I'm the same I usually my characters are a little bit older um mm-hmm. so just yeah it's just because that's my personal taste mm-hmm. so you those are are those your favorite tropes that you like to write or are those also your favorite tropes that you like to read yeah yeah, yeah. favorite tropes I like to read as well mm-hmm. um I just love I love the angst of second chance like it really always gets mm-hmm. me here. I just love the longing and the I know some people hate it and I try to keep it to a limit in my own books but I love miscommunication when I'm reading I love that as a reader I just love the angst like figure it out already <laughs> I some readers hate it <laughs> I feel like okay I no tea no shade to those people who say they hate it I feel like they secretly love it because you wouldn't get all so bent up about it if you didn't secretly love it because there's a thin line between love and hate and you've got to loved it at some point to become hateful of it so <laughs> call out those people and be like y'all liked it you know you liked it you just want to say you hate it (laughs) but um what are then if those are like your favorite tropes to read 
what authors are like your favorite authors to read? Gosh, I have so many. Um, <laughs> Kay Tucker. I absolutely love Kay Tucker's books. Um, Catherine Cowles, Mia Sheridan, um, Colleen Hoover. Um, oh my gosh. Helena Hunting. Oh, yes. I love Helena's books. Um, Kristen Callahan. Um, I'm looking at my shelves. Penny Reed, L.H. Cosway. Um, who else do I have? Um, Vikeland and Penelope Ward. And, oh, Alina Armaz and Tessa Bailey. Yes. So there are more, like there's tons on my shelf, but those are the ones we could go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> I think K.A. Tucker's A Simple Wild, is that what it is? A Simple Wild, yes. A Simple Wild. I read that book and I was like, I'm not going to cry. Like this book is not sad at all. I got to like the last 10 pages and that shit had me bawling my eyes out like I don't think I've I've, there's only like a couple books where I've cried that hard and like I was like I was I was out I was out for like the rest of the day and I was listening to it on audio as well and I was just like I can't do this I cannot do this (laughs) like these like last 10 pages which I'm excited to see that it's a series so hopefully I will finish that but the entire series like I don't know because The Simple Wealth is one of my favorite books of all time mm-hmm. and she just keeps that up for the whole series she's yeah. just she's a beautiful writer she really is yeah I mean I, I'm such a reader I just love authors <laughs> that was just my contemporary romance authors like well, a brilliant so part here's my question I, I've read some like Hmm. have you read um J.R. Ward yes yes I've read J.R. Ward she was one of my like OG paranormal romance writers and I got to meet her a few years ago and you like you should see the picture you can actually see it on my face that I am just like in heaven that I'm sitting next to J.R. Ward and she is the nicest person seriously I forgot my book because it was like a big author event and I had brought my J.R. Ward book all the way from Scotland to get signed and I forgot it at the hotel. And she had an assistant go down to her basement to get the book and and she just gave it to me, signed it and gave it to me. Wow. I was the nicest person ever, seriously. And she's I, just so cool. She, her, the Black Dagger Brotherhood series was like my start into romance, I think, is yeah. I was reading those and I was like, holy fuck like this is like it was like the introduction into like adult romance for me and I was like this is what I've been waiting for like this is nitty-gritty dirty like these men are so hot and like I was like yes this is exactly what I needed and then my mom saw them on my shelves and she's like what are they she's like she's like oh she's a romance reader she's like oh great she's like you like J.R. Ward and I was like yes and she goes so you read books about sex and I go yes She's like, <laughs> and then she looks at me she goes me too <laughs> I love that I love so because my mom she would always have like those bodice rippers like re- regency like romance books and I would always I'm like well, why is this bitch reading like why is she reading these books and now I'm that person too and I'm like fuck I should never have judged her because I have become that person 
that's so awesome. My mom is not a romance reader. She is um, Stephen King. Mm. Um, all that like she loves Stephen King, mm-hmm. but she will read my books. Although she will skip those scenes, she just cannot cope with the sex scenes. So, which I completely understand. I just appreciate yeah. her reading the books. <laughs> I mean, at least it's better for you because then you can actually look her in the eye. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> So as my final question, um, we've kind of talked about like you starting to write and like pushing yourself to do that. So as somebody who is wanting to start writing and starting their career as an author, what advice, what piece of advice would you give that person? I think my biggest advice seems, it seems so simple, but to just write as much as possible before you decide to publish it. Work with beta readers. Beta readers are your best friends. Um, they will just help you so much, like tighten up your writing. Um, and it, because it just, what I didn't do when I first published was that exact thing. And I just published the book and I had to take those books down and work with an editor and republish them later on in my career. So yeah, just write as much as possible before it and do, um, if a lot of research on um, your your social media, your market, and that kind of thing, um, and concentrate on building a newsletter. That is for the kind of business part of it. That is my biggest piece of advice because it's the most stable way to connect with your readers. Um, platforms can change on you in a minute, or you can lose your page in a minute that you spent building hundreds thousands of followers on so yes build your newsletter um and just write as much as possible (laughs) well that's I think that's a perfect I think that's a I don't think I've ever had anybody advise that about the newsletter so that's a perfect little tidbit that nobody's ever heard before so thank you Samantha thank you to all of our listeners who have listened to this episode and I hope that y'all are enjoying your University of Smutsville collection I see that all of y'all have purchased your orders and we're sending this out so thank you so much for that and thank you Samantha and I will see you guys next week bye guys